This is womensleadershipsuccess.com, episode number eight, Career Development for Women, How to Move from the Corporate World to Being an Entrepreneur. Be sure to learn about upcoming guest, Nancy Hayes, Dean of Business School at California State University, San Francisco, at the end of the show. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is Sabrina Brahm with womensleadershipsuccess.com radio podcast. Today we will be discussing the important topic of transitioning from being an employee to an entrepreneur and some of the trials, tribulations, and benefits along the way. I am pleased today to have a very good friend and talented entrepreneur, Michelle Messina of Explore International. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Sabrina. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Tell us uh, what, what you do now. What I do is I have a consulting company that focuses on helping international entrepreneurs enter the U.S. market with their technology product or service. Great. Is it rewarding? I love it. I have a great time. I work with a lot of different cultures, a lot of different people, and I get to travel to a number of new countries every year. Wow, that does sound exciting. And uh, are you making a profit in your business? I'm working on it. I'm getting very close. Every year I seem to be doing better and better as far as my income and uh, my expenses, and so I think this is the year that it's going to happen. Great. Tell us what you used to do. Well, I used to be a vice president of marketing and vice president of sales for high technology companies in Silicon Valley. So I was typically responsible for launching new products or new product categories into the market. And you, uh, you're, you were a vice president, if I remember correctly. Yeah, vice president of marketing or vice president of sales. So I've been on both, uh, both sides of the fence. And um, what sizes of companies were you working in? Primarily, my experience has been with venture-funded startup companies, so very new companies that have a new product to launch into the market. Uh, how, so, uh, for example, I was uh, at one point in time the eighth employee for a company that, that grew to over 250 employees in less than two years, and I've also worked for publicly traded companies that had over 1,500 employees. But primarily, I like to stay with the smaller companies that are under 300 employees. That was when I was not an, an employee. Uh-huh. And, you know, um, I was at a Pink Magazine conference, and over 60% of the 300 women executives that were there said they wanted to leave their corporations and start their own business. So I know a lot of women are going to be excited to hear about this. What influenced you to go out on your own? <laughs> well, quite quite frankly, um, something else influenced my decision. I was laid off from my position as a VP of sales with a with a generous severance package, and it kind of afforded me the opportunity to think about and, and plan my, my future. But the layoff uh, that was created because the company was about to be sold was really the impetus to go out on my own. Great. And how did you decide what type of business to go into? Well, I, I had to kind of look at 
kind of do a self-assessment, I guess I could say, and figure out where could I leverage from a position of strength. So what were my strong suits? What areas did I know the best? And what did I love to do? And the things that, that I came up with were that I had a very good understanding of the U.S. market from the perspective of entering it with, a, you know, launching a new high-technology product. What were all the early sales and marketing steps involved in that? Um, how could I apply the sales and marketing expertise that I knew and kind of intuitively understood? And then finally, how could I incorporate my love of other cultures, other countries, and other people? And so the assessment process really was one of leveraging from a position of strength. And from there, I uh, I came up with the fact that I really love to consult. I love to be an advisor or a coach to entrepreneurs and innovators. And uh, I love to be on the early stages of a product launching into the market. So that's kind of how I came up with, with where I am today. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things when I'm coaching people that I find is uh, people will pick something they love but it's not necessarily what the market wants or needs. So how did you, how did you notice um, opportunities or gaps in the market to say, <laughs> forward with this? Well, that's a funny story. I was invited to go to an event where some companies were um, present, European, northern European companies, technology companies, were presenting their products to a panel of venture capitalists. And these happen, quite frankly, quite frequently in Silicon Valley. So they're uh, technology showcases or networking events, that sort of thing. And I was invited to attend this event. And uh, watching these companies present their product idea to the venture capitalists with the idea that they were seeking investment capital, I came away from the event feeling that these companies were horribly ill-prepared for the U.S. market. They didn't understand the U.S. customer. Uh, they were very long-winded in their presentations. They were unable to answer kind of the simplest questions from the VCs about their market, about the pain point, about what the opportunity was. In short, they were very unprepared for their presentations. They were not very polished, and they were very unfamiliar with the U.S. market. They had simply come here uh, to participate in this networking event with the idea that it was going to be easy to present their company and uh, gain venture funding. So from there, that evening, I had an epiphany about, wow, there's a lot of nationalities, a lot of international entrepreneurs and innovators that really don't understand what's happening in this market. So how can I take my expertise of launching new products and technologies and help international entrepreneurs be more successful in the U.S. market? Wow. So you, you, you not only found what your strengths were and what you like to do, but you were actively looking for where you could use these in the marketplace. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to understand who exactly my target customer was. What's the profile of the individual that's going to purchase services from me? So I was actively looking for who those individuals might be. Well, it's, it, it's so exciting, and I, I can actually think of a lot of uh, companies that are in the U.S. that could use your services. Well, you know, I'm always looking for referrals, Sabrina. That's the other <laughs> thing. In business, you always have to be able to and willing to connect people to people that you know to help them in the hopes that, you know, they'll connect you as well. It's all about who you know. Right, and and that's, that is absolutely true and kind of leads into what I was going to ask you, which is what are the keys that you find have made you successful? 
Well, in the very beginning, while I was formulating my idea, I had sort of a concept, not clearly developed, mind you, sort of a little bit foggy about what I wanted to do. Um, however, I'm a big believer in the fake it till you make it. And that means that you have to present yourself as a success or knowing how something needs to be done or what needs to be done. So in other words, you have to project confidence. So it's a little bit like acting on a, on a stage. Uh, the second thing that I thought was important was becoming more clear about how I articulate what I do and what my value is to a prospective customer or someone that I'm a prospective contact. So the more clear I can be about my idea and what my value is to my customer, the more e the easier it is for someone to help connect me to the right right people. I, I wanted to stop you there for a second because the the, the faking it until you make it make mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I think that's so important. And really, what you said secondly, which is you wanted to know how you could be of of a, a value to your client. That's one thing that would help you do that. But can you say a little more about that because I think. Uh, faking it till you make it also requires some prep time. And, and what kind of prep did you do so that you knew you would be able to fake it till you made it? Well, uh, again, I was going back to, uh, you know, where my strengths were. So my strengths were in launching new products into the U.S. market. So, so I understood how to do that with technology products. I understood about selling into the enterprise uh, account or the large account. So I, I could take those skills, expertise, experience, and successes that I had and apply those to uh, the concept of helping an international entrepreneur doing that. So were there major differences between doing that and what I had been doing? No. I just hadn't been doing it specifically to help international entrepreneurs. Okay. But the skill set was still applicable. So, again, I was just taking and marketing a skill set to a different group, a different target audience. But it was a certain amount of fake it till you make it because there are differences in dealing with someone from another country. You have business differences, cultural differences, negotiation style differences. So there's this whole nuance of differences because we are from different countries, backgrounds, cultures, etc. But then once you get past those, there are the basics of how do you launch a product in, in X category into a market as complex and competitive as the U.S. market. So what were some of the, the challenges or problems that came up at first that you had to regroup and think about how to do it differently? Well, I think that uh, one of the challenges was in the early stages, you, being hungry for business, you take on projects where you they're not your favorite projects, for example. Uh -huh. So you build your experience base working with, with clients doing things that you, know, you may have done early, early on in your career, but you don't necessarily want to do today, but you need reference clients. For for the present, so that that was one challenge. Um, I, I just want to ask you a question about that because um, what I see people doing a lot is they will take really low paying, uh, low picking fruit, and they get so busy with that that they really don't have time for projects that pay better. Um, can you make a comment about that? Yeah, um, being being an entrepreneur, you spend or I spend more than fifty percent of my time on business development, and I would say that that statistic is pretty 
consistent across many of the consulting organizations that I know. Um, the the challenge in the beginning, I think, is, um, as I say, uh, an individual being very hungry for business and taking projects that are um, at lower um, hourly rates or lower project fees because you're going to come in uh, and win the business with a lower fee rather than working on the basis of selling your value to the company and billing yourself out at what you know you're really worth. So there's there's different trade-offs and, and things that take place in the early stages of building a business. Um, your margins may be uh, slimmer than you would like normally. Um, I, I've actually taken on a client with very little to no margin in the business specifically because I wanted to win the client and have a reference account. And it, you know, the things like that could pay off from a strategic perspective, but you can't run a business like that and be financially viable. Right. It's not a long-term strategy. It's a short-term tactic is really what it boils down to. Right, but you're also saying that it's really important to be strategic about those uh, low-paying clients that you take. Yeah, so is is that low-paying client going to help open doors for you in in other businesses and other companies. If you do an excellent job for them and you deliver great value to them, do you feel that they're going to give you referrals and recommendations? And, and it's not it's not unheard of to to have that conversation with with your client. As a matter of fact, you should have that conversation with your client. Say, I'm coming I you know, I really want to win this business. I want to have you as a reference account. I'm coming in at a lower rate than the market rates. Um, but what I expect from you in return is that you're going to give me two or three referrals at the close of this project, providing I do an excellent job for you. You have to set those expectations in the beginning because you're looking for this person to help you grow your business. That That's really, really a, a good suggestion to make sure that you understand that you want references when you're in the job. Right, but you also want your client to understand that you're coming in below market rates. And below market rates, yeah, really good. Yeah, so so from that perspective, it, it, it and if you get follow-on business from that same client, you can tell them, look, I came in and I did this project for you at below market rates, um, and, and I may do the second one for you at that. But long-term, that's not part of my business strategy. Uh-huh. Or long-term, I love you as a client. I so enjoy working with you. And, you know, the 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 value and the benefit I get from working with you because you're a great person and we have fun together, you know, maybe I will be willing to do it at below market rates just because I like working with you. Michelle, have you had um, any mentors or do you, do you have any people that you bounce ideas off of to make sure that you're doing what, what's best for your, you and your company? Yes. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, one of my greatest uh, success tips that I like to share with people is develop a good support network of women. Um, you need to develop um, a, a network that will both in, advise you and encourage you, congratulate you on your wins, and sort of tell you, okay, Michelle, it's time to, to get up and get moving again. You need to go and take this different strategy, for example. So my, my recommendation is to develop a group of different types of women friends. Um, I have friends I just hang out with, friends I hike with, friends I strategize with about our mutual business goals. Um, I have more female friends in my life now than I've ever had before, and they're so much more important to me. So I, I think that these group of female executives that are both my friends, were, were, they're also my business mentors, and vice versa. I'm a mentor and a coach to them. 
So I think that that's a, a good strategy to have in place. You, you can't do this all alone, and the easiest way to go out and ask for help is, is to work with your friends. Fantastic. And how do you deal with stress? <laughs> I, uh, I Well, I talk to my friends. That's always a good strategy. Uh-huh. Um, they can uh, sometimes give me a pep talk, or, or I can give them a pep, pep, pep talk. Um, I like to bake, so that's one way that I deal with stress. Is I, I fortunately I have a neighbor whose husband has a sweet tooth, so um, <laughs> I can uh, take baked goods over to their house and they like it. Um, I like to walk. So walking it off sometimes helps problems unravel, um, become more clear. Um, and even if they 